But really, if I had a sat down and maybe had someone, you know, help me open up, it would have been the reason why I jumped into photography probably would have been because like I didn't think he was going to survive. Hey, hey, welcome to the Up and Becoming podcast, a space for inspiring and empowering conversations for the dreamers, creators, and self-starters. I'm Kurt Bingham, your host, and you're listening to episode four. Today, I'm speaking with Ryan from Feather and Finch Photography. Ryan shares a bit about how he got into photography and how he faced some pretty crazy circumstances with his little boy in order to be where he is today. We touch on how he stays inspired and how he's found purpose in giving back to people through his creative endeavors. So without further ado, enjoy today's episode. Hey, hey, man. Hey, dude. How are you going? Good. How are you? Um, I'm always good, mate. It's Monday, so I'm in the office today. Yeah, what what'd you get up to this morning so far? Uh, I uh, got up early. My normal wake up's 4am, so I was up and early, out for a run, and then back with a coffee, then a little play with my little man, and then, uh, yeah, a few a few meetings this morning, so it's been a busy morning, and then I've got, uh, after this one, I've got my, my podcast recording for my episodes, and um, yeah, and then I'll take the Arvo off, man. That's so cool. I love that. I love that. We're, I love that you just started a podcast too. How did um? How did that actually all start? Yeah. So um, I've wanted to do it for ages. Hey, and just um, obviously with COVID and stuff like that on at the moment, it was just a. I was just kind of have a whiteboard next to me in my office, and I just literally wrote down everything that I've like been meaning to do as such. Um, and and on the top of that was podcasts. Um, and I was actually yeah looking back over. Um, my notes and stuff and I actually wanted to start it in 2019 um, February so it's been on the back burner for a while but I just uh yeah put a few weeks into it and uh and now I'm live so super stoked with it but that's normally my Mondays and my podcast recording day that's actually awesome yeah I'm the same <laughs> Monday's just good for it I think starts a week starts a week right and yeah for sure I reckon what did you um I guess with that, like, cause I'm similar, like I actually wanted to start mine, um, probably a couple years it's been just on the list, but what do you think actually made you uh, start it? Like what, what did it take you to actually be like, you know what, it's time. Um, was it the space or like, cause you had more time cause of yeah, to, what's been going on? To, to be honest. Um, I mean the, the driver behind me even thinking about doing a podcast was honestly just, I couldn't find episodes or um, I couldn't find podcasts with the guests that I actually wanted to learn from. So I would be, you know, in my self-development process and trying to search these names of these photographers that I aspire or know they have something to share that I really thought I could kind of resonate with and I couldn't find it. So that was the driver behind it because I thought, well, I can't find the episodes, so I might as well just interview them and do my own thing. And then the catalyst to actually starting it was having this time with no weddings and being able to kind of put that those hours into it, doing it properly and stuff like that. 
Yeah, crazy. Um, for for the listeners, what uh, what do you actually get up to, like with feather feather and finch photography? Yeah, so um, predominantly photograph weddings. Um, so that's that's pretty much ninety five percent of the business income and everything like that. So um, yeah, full time wedding photographer um, based on the Gold Coast, Queensland. Uh, probably fifty percent of my weddings go are probably interstate or overseas. Um, majority I find are probably interstate, so throughout Australia, and then uh, a selected amount overseas. Maybe generally only around about up to five a year. So yeah, that that's that's the general outline of the business. Obviously, there's more to it than just that. But if you're talking about financials and what brings the bread home, is definitely yeah. weddings. That's amazing. And you've been doing that for how long now? Uh, so it started, I was trying to work this out the other day. I've got male brain syndrome at times, but uh, oh, no. <laughs> I think um, it's been going for about six years nearly. Um, obviously, there's a few different name changes in there involved and stuff like that. But in terms of photography, I've been involved in it for about five or six years and then actually full-time without any other surplus of income um, for the last two years straight. Yeah, wow. That's awesome. <laughs> Did you say um, you changed the name a couple of times? <laughs> yeah. Well, when I started, uh, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Obviously, I can go into the, I guess, you know, how I started in photography and, and where I got my passion from. But to simplify, yeah, when I started, I was, thought I was going to be a, a family photographer and I had... I think it was on point photography, something like that, uh, and that was just the yeah, that was the 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 branches to the tree really, and then <laughs> I started uh, moving. And then a funny story: I actually um, registered my business as Stone and Wood Photography, which was obviously most people are familiar of the 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 brewery Stone and Wood Brewery. Um, and being a non drinker, I didn't really know that, and. I don't even think they had established by then. Anyway, I turned up to my first wedding and of course there was a uh, a mobile bar no. with, stocked with stone and wood and me being the fresh green photographer, I had a stone and wood photography dress shirt on, which I definitely don't do anymore. But um, And I got asked to serve a few drinks at the wedding and, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so one wedding in uh, and... Uh-huh. The next day was another name change. So that was going back a few years now, but yeah. Bro, wow. <laughs> that's, that's the story. Oh, there's a few funny stories on that initial wedding. There's a few, uh, definitely taught me a few lessons a bit further than just the name. Um, but yeah, yeah. That, that got me changing my name pretty quick. Wow. I actually, I had a little uh, label. I'm from Townsville originally and um I had a little label called Point Streetwear, so that's that's pretty funny. <laughs> On point, point Streetwear, maybe it's a Queens, Queensland thing. I think you when know. we all start, we all look for those cliche photography kind of snapshot photographer or flashes or something like that, and then we yeah. really realize that you know, like you don't need that, and generally it's kind of a misconception of who you are as such. So yeah, name changes are. Something I think don't, you know, the name of a business doesn't really represent much, I don't believe. Uh, I, yeah, I completely agree. Um, I was even chatting to Ollie like uh, in the last last podcast recording that I did and he was talking about how everyone just like put deer antlers on all their 
on yeah. all their websites and all their pages. It's very similar. Hey, because you're, you're looking for your voice and you think that copying everyone else is the way to go. But it does take some time to find uh, what you want to say. And, and usually it's not the name. It's the work that speaks for itself, I think. For sure. I mean, Kurt, with Feather and Finch, obviously, I mean, there's a lot of photography business out there with feathers and finches and oaks and all these things. Um, and, you know, I've been like, you know, tossing up, you know, should I change? Should I not? And in the end of the day, it's just, I think, like, you know, what you put behind the name that really represents you as such. Like, I'm not all about Feather and Finch. Like, I don't have it tattooed all over me because I absolutely love the name and it's everything. But in the end of the day, it, like, I drive hopefully my personality through the brand. And if people relate to that as the name, um, hopefully I'm behind the driving force. You know, I don't care if I'm called you know, what is Kmart? Like, what is Kmart? What is Apple? You know, th- those names don't really represent much, but you know what you're getting into when you kind of inquire or looking for a product or a service. So, 100% can't agree more. Yeah, that is so interesting, hey, when you really think about it. Um, well, I guess, like, on that, how how did everything start for you? Like, how did you get into photography? I, I saw um, briefly that you did a bit of time in the army first and then... How did that evolve? Yeah. Yeah, I'll take you back a little bit. So I'm oh, please take thir- us. <laughs> I'll take you back. I'm not I'm not that old, hopefully. I'm 31 now. It's gone way quicker than I thought. But cut a long story short, uh yeah, fin- I had really no like creative aspirations when I was growing up. Um was born in New Zealand, moved over to Australia when I was Again, these are loose kind of terms, but around about 14 as such um, and was always pursuing like a sports career. That was kind of my aspiration as as a young man or young teenager um, and that didn't really work out. I feel like I was like the the dirty long legs. I was just like this gangly thing and, <laughs> uh, and then yeah, anyway, left school and had no idea. So I went to TAFE, studied business and hated that. Um, and then went into the Australian Army as was kind of the next stepping. Obviously, there's a lot of little jobs along the way. Um, I just, you know, I didn't make it in the sports realm as the pressure was on me from outside sources and stuff like that. So I went to the Australian Army. Um, I think I enlisted when I was 17, um, went up to Darwin and spent a year in the Australian Army, which obviously taught me a lot about growing up at a young age, but also, I believe, ruined me a lot. It didn't allow me to kind of experience that 17, 18-year-old thing. And uh, I remember coming back to the Gold Coast, visiting family and stuff. And I was just, you know, because when you're in that kind of circle and that bubble, you don't realize how much of an effect it's had on you. And I remember coming back and I think I was celebrating my birthday or a friend's birthday. And i I just couldn't relate and it wasn't that I was better than anyone else but I I feel like it literally brainwashed me um, to a person that I really wasn't pleased to become and um, even sitting in my parents home I remember I hadn't sat on a couch for over a year right because that was kind of drilled into us that you don't sit down and um, wow. I remember just standing there watching TV and, and, uh, we actually were talking about this last night, having dinner at my mom's house. And, <laughs> you know, she's, she said like, you were just a robot. You just kind of like stood there and we, we felt like we lost our son. Um, wow. you know, and I didn't see that from the outside being, you know, young and fit and having these aspirations to go and serve, you know, for the Australian defense force and stuff like that. I didn't see what was actually 
happening and the depression that was kind of that I was going through because I never really was you know I wasn't mature enough to share my vulnerabilities or share the stresses and stuff like that and that you know that I remember that catalyst moment then kind of just dragged me from position to position and my mindset so it took me a long time to kind of come back to reality yeah. um a great learning curve I always say to people about the military you, it's like it's like school, right? You can have a good teacher and you can have a bad teacher. You can have a great experience and you can have a bad experience. And you can also be in the same school and have all those different variations. Um, my personal experience was just not great. Um, mm. But I didn't know, how, like I said, how much it was actually affecting me until I like had to face reality and realize that there was more to this kind of life than this little circle that I was trying to create in the, in the defense force. Yeah. I don't even know where I'm going with that story. (laughs) No, no, you're good. I think on that, like, do you, do you find that your personality is a bit achievement focused? Like you felt like you needed to kind of tick, tick the boxes and just keep going up the runs. Um, Is that kind of how you felt in that, in that space? And you said there was a bit of a catalyst, like what, what pulled you out of that? What pulled you out and just made you notice, um, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm going somewhere that I actually don't want to go. Like I'm becoming someone that um, isn't, isn't what I've ever thought I'd become. Yeah. So I, I guess growing up in a really sports achievement orientated kind of family environment, that was always kind of, I would say it was definitely a pressure, um, you know, when I was growing up and trying to play sports and ensuring that I was the best and and making sure that you know I had these dreams to fulfill but necessarily I never had the I personally don't think I ever had the chance to think that if they were even my dreams I was kind of you know a lot lot of young people these days they're just kind of following the footsteps so when when I didn't make it as such and when I say make it you know I didn't achieve a high level of success in any sport I was I guess, okay or good at all sports, but I jumped around from, you know, rugby union to rugby league to Muay Thai to boxing, then to gridiron and all these things. And I was doing good, but, you know, I was dabbling in so many different aspects of it. Um, And then, yeah, cut a long story short, I think definitely the reason why I went to the army was to fulfill um, a sense of achievement, possibly egotism, um, and I was always well into fitness and it's still a part of my life today. So I always wanted to kind of, I've always tried to like escape the owner and step outside and try and achieve something that other people kind of look back on and think, wow, you know, that's that's achievable at that young age or, you know, as such. Yeah. So that was a true reason why I think I went to the army. Um, but I was very immature mindset as well, you know, when I was enlisting and, you know, at that at seventeen, you don't really know what you're getting yourself into. I just thought, oh yeah, we'll go to war, and I can save the world, and I can, you know, <laughs> wow. carry everyone's bags, and I could do all this stuff, and and that was great. But you know, I'm still a seventeen year old boy with you know really no insight into life yet. Yeah, and then that moves, that moves into photography. Like when when did that happen? Like how did that happen? <laughs> yeah, so um. Yeah, so long story short, um, when I finished the army, I got right into the fitness realm, obviously having that background of fitness and definitely a passion of mine. So become a personal trainer, 
da 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 and then ran my own business personal training for about six six years or so and was personal training in the mines and stuff like that um and then yeah cut another long story short um we go <laughs> right into how the photography started um my partner was pregnant um with my little boy uh and anyway i was still still personal training along that time um out of a home studio and then uh she her waters broke at around 27 weeks or 28 weeks which is obviously for people that don't know that's that's it's pretty early for a water yeah. to break it all turns 40 weeks um and being a first time mm-hmm. parent i didn't know what the heck was going on so yeah uh, ru- rushed to hospital um and then the the doctors uh come in and said that her waters had break broke um and that obviously you know she's going into labor and this is a percent of chance of survival and again going back to the hardest time of my life um mm. i you know you kind of filter through these things that you hear so you know, I it may not been exactly on par, but from my knowledge, it was about a ten percent chance of survival, increasing at about five percent each day that she didn't give birth uh, because mm. it was so so yeah. early. Um, wow. Yeah, and then obviously, um, you know, so they held her off. I forget all the the way they did it, but they were injecting with steroids and bed rest, and it was just crazy um, times and obviously stressful. Man, I was. 24 i think then or 25 yeah Yeah, it must have been 24 and um yeah yeah, and then in long story short um she ended up giving birth i think it was 29 or 30 weeks pregnant to a very premature um child and uh yeah he came out like looking healthy and we were like you know we were stoked man i'm super chill so I, you know, I was never really too fussed. I know we're in amazing hands in Australia and I always take my hat off to this beautiful country, I think. Um, I mean, it could have been a lot worse. We couldn't have had public health and, and could have have to have gone and got a mortgage just to, you know, give birth to, the, yeah, to my son. Yeah, lucky. So much. Yeah. And, yeah, and then, um, I know this is a long story, and then... Uh, and no, then you're good. Gave birth to him and then he was in NICU and ICU and all of that. And it was, so it was very touch and go during that time. So, so stressful. Still had no idea about photography really. And mm. uh, to to bring it back, um, while he was in hospital, he, um, you know, he was in there for about three months or so. A friend of mine was just getting into photography and he was taking some photos of the surf and blah, blah, blah. And um, I kind I felt I don't know. Looking back now, I must have needed an ounce because I kind yeah. of I was uh, training for Muay Thai, so kickboxing pretty full on at that time. Um, and that was like, you know, that was my stress reliever. But you know, she was in hospital full time with him, so I kind of had nothing to do in the other, you know, in all those other hours that we're sitting around and just waiting day by day for his improvement. Um, and at that time he was healthy in hospital it was just really allowing him to develop. And I seen photos of my friend's work and I was just inspired. So messaged him and he explained to go out and get a DSLR. So I went and bought a well, Canon 6D and, uh, yeah, and literally read the manual and I got become obsessed. Hey, like, and wow, I think it was, just, 
<laughs> oh mate, and I can read books, but a manual? I know. I must I'm have been... so bad. I don't read any manuals anyway. <laughs> hey, hey, you know what it's like when you're sitting in hospital, right? And it's just like oh, totally. time is so so slow. And I think um, being in that situation allowed me to just like just be moved by this this thing, photography, and. You know, I was on YouTube and I'm watching this and I'm reading every book and I can remember and every single sunrise I got up and went out and that was my out because in the afternoon I'd trained for kickboxing. Um, so I become obsessed with it, absolutely obsessed um, with it. And obviously I was absolutely hopeless, but I was learning and growing. And um, yeah, like I said, I had no really idea of what I wanted to photograph, but it became my obsession and um from pretty much then on, I knew I was going to start a business with photography. Um, I think he was still in hospital at this time. And I said to my partner, Michelle, I said, um, yeah, uh, I'm 100% going to become a photographer. Like there's no ifs, buts or maybes. I'm going to make make this a business. I didn't have any like no idea what I'd photograph, whatever. Um yeah, and then if I keep going on the story, he he was discharged from hospital. Um, obviously, a very preemie baby, so we got him home and we started doing the you know the family thing. And I just kept jamming into photography every single day. I'd be learning, and I it's I purchased a mannequin and I'd go outside and I'd photograph the yeah. mannequin in public wow. and. Um, I'd see how the light was falling on the mannequin's head and I'd get flashes and I'd buy this strobe and I'd purchase all this shit that I didn't actually need and realize I didn't need it and get reflectors and read every book. Um, and then I started, uh, photo- I put it like an ad out there or something to photograph, photograph a few families, did that um, and couldn't sell $99 shoots. Like I do a full photo shoot um and i i still look back at those photos and i think they're actually some of them are okay and i just i couldn't even sell it a 99 dollar photo shoot um and at that time i had registered i think the first business on point or something like that and then it yeah and then it was just a a, a, um, a ladder up from there so i just kept progressing but that was yeah if i stopped myself there that was how i got into photography yeah and now i guess and amongst that, you know, all that, that chaos, but also that, um, that space where you just got to like dive deep into something. You also had like a, um, Carter, is that, is that, um, your, your son's name yet? Yeah. 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 Um, and that's, uh, that's amazing. I guess you would have taken so many photos of him as well since you were learning at the same time. Oh, a hundred percent. Hey, and, and, and you know what, like, I mean, cliche as it is, but I was in a space where, you know, I didn't know if my son was going to survive, right? Like it's a, it's a hard thing for me to talk about now. And it's not that I close my emotions off, but you know, we all go through these things in life. And that was the reason why um, I was taking so many photos. And I think truly without even thinking about it back then, I was just trying to stop time. And I was just not trying yeah. to deal with the statistics that the doctors were giving me, trying to be strong for the family and trying to put on a facade that I was like being okay. But really, if I had a sat down and maybe had someone, you know, help me open up, it would have been the reason why I jumped into photography probably would have been because like, I didn't think he was going to survive. And I just didn't share those emotions the other way. Um, 
and mm, maybe yeah. maybe that gave me the passion to photograph other families maybe not um but yeah definitely and then yeah so yeah i don't know where i'm going with it but that's uh, <laughs> no you're good so i guess today today you're a wedding photographer and um in a lot of ways like cuz i like i a few people know and if you listen to the last podcast you would i would talk to ollie about this but i'm quite new to this industry and i think even um funny enough like your name pops up a lot <laughs> like so it's uh it's kind of cool to see that you've you've actually really created um created a voice created something that speaks um of your work and um you're connected to some really incredible people in this industry so um you know good work i think for one like you've totally flipped flipped like narratives you you from where you started to where you are today um that's really cool to see and i think for me and even just this podcast um it's that's like that's what i i want to be able to chat to people about you know just like their stories and hearing how it all began um so thanks for sharing like that's awesome um yeah i think if we do i guess fast forward to today like you you started shooting a few more weddings and then that became kind of like your focus um what when it comes to like i guess style or your journalistic approach was it always like that or um has that been something that you've kind of developed over the past past couple of years when you went full time? Yeah, I guess um yeah, so I obviously appreciate all that. I'm um I've always said I'm so grateful for for what I have and I don't want to just like beat around the bush and be that motivational speaker, but you know, to have no creative background and then to be able to make a living and make four, five, six times as much as I've ever made in my life financially and that's not the goal for me, but I, I just, yeah, I sometimes just am taken back by the life I can live with what I do. So thank you. But uh, in terms of like um, my approach to photography now, I think something and same deal, I was speaking to Ollie and Cy and stuff about that. I think something that's not spoken enough about in the industry, mate, and you're explaining yeah. that you're new and we're always, we're all new, is that everything takes time. And it's like, I, I'm definitely the I have the personality where it's like, you can't tell me no. Um, and <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I'm always, I get, I kind of get off on helping others and, and doing things left field where it's like, I remember speaking to a photography coach um, and, you know, he said like before, you know, this is when I was learning and I was putting money yeah. into developing my knowledge because I always believe, you know, self-development is the only reason you can succeed and if you're not developing yourself, you're going backwards. And so anyway, I had this business coach say to me, Ryan, like there is absolutely no way you're going to make a full-time income as a wedding photographer and especially oh, wow. not over six figures. And I am driven by money because I know <laughs> I can provide my family a beautiful life. Um, yeah. You know, and like I just, I every, not every day, it comes up often in my mindset and I just laugh. And this wasn't long ago and I would, you know, I just laugh because I'm like, mate, you have no idea. Like, not just financially, but the life I live um, and how much, yeah, I, I make each year and stuff like that. Um, yeah, is a total slap back in his face. But anyway, um, to, yeah, how I, so the question was, sorry, the question was how I photograph now and, and the, my approach. Yeah, your approach. But if, 
like I, I can quickly jump on that. Like I've actually had that uh, said to me as well about things. Um, you know, you can't, you can't do this. Even um, starting a podcast, people I actually had someone be like, you know, maybe you should start one when um, you've you know, got a little bit more experience. So you've seen, you've seen a bit of success. And then for me, it just came back to kind of what you said earlier I just wanted to start this podcast so I could chat to people like you, chat to people that interest me, that I'm curious about, um, and hope that other people are also curious about learning too. And that's as simple as it is. I just was like, you know what? I instead of calling up people and cold emailing people, I'm going to create a create a platform, create something where I can actually um, not only amplify your voice and amplify the people that I'm interviewing, but also hopefully help some people in the same. And I think um, I'm already seeing that, which is really cool. So it is funny, but um, we need those people to tell us that we can't do something, I think, because that actually really helps <laughs> um, sometimes. Yeah, it depends um, on the personality, right? It does, it depends, yeah. <laughs> depends on how you, how you handle it. But yeah, I definitely have that personality where it's like, what you said, I couldn't run 21 kilometers. Okay, cool. I'll just go out and buy a pair of shoes and I'll, I'm going to run like tomorrow and I, you know, I'm going to run 21 kilometers or whatever it may be. And like, I may fail, but um, I've just have that mentality and I've dragged that over through my business as well. It's like, well, why can't I be number one on SEO? Why can't, you know, and why, you know, why can't I do this? And exactly right. Like, why can't you start a podcast? People don't need you don't need 10 years experience. Time does help with within anything. I think in the creative field, learning, not trying to like, you know, fast track things like, you know, like, um, like understanding light and stuff like that. You can always develop your skills, but it, it's just so, so much isn't spoken about time, you know, like you, what Instagram, you see a photographer that's been in the game 15 years and you've been in for 15 days and it's like, well, that's, that, that, you know what that's the only reason you can't create those same images that's it like fuck the preset like it's not the preset mate you know and it's also comparing your um day zero to someone's you know day th- a thousand and that's, that's right. just not that's not the way to go and i think that also helps me and and just kind of diving into photography um even just like being like you know what I am. I'm, it took me a bit to actually be able to say, yeah, I'm a photographer. That's yep. what I do. Um, and once I started saying that, the opportunity starts coming. So it was very, it was actually such an interesting thing to see. Um, but I guess, yeah, going back to uh, the question, I guess I, yeah, I was just curious about how you established your your like journalistic approach um, to photography um, and if that was always what you yeah, kind of what you kind of started out doing. Yeah, okay. So, um, I mean, it definitely wasn't what I started out doing. What I started out doing mm. was failing big time and tripping up. But I have a little yeah. journal that I've kept with me since day one. Um, and it's just a book. And I write down, well, at the, not now, but when I started after every shoot or after every, each wedding when I was only shooting, you know, a, a, a little amount, I'd write down what I learned from that. So there were so many failures in that book from, you know, not formatting my SD card or being in the wrong position or, you know, not being ready for this moment or making the couple feel awkward. And I, I wrote it all down in the hopes of, you know, my goal is like, you know, to become one of the best. And 
um, I always kept that to myself and had this little book going along with me. And prior to every shoot, I would, you know, like I said, I wasn't photographed every weekend. I would grab yeah. that book and I'd read through these things and I would hopefully, you know, develop and not do the same issue twice or the same problem that occurred at the last job. So I kept developing, um, obviously wasn't photographing how I photograph now to back then. And I think most of that comes down to the confidence by, like you said, putting in those hours, um, you know, like Michael Jordan, like how many baskets did yeah. you shot, you know, no, compared no. to the person that's just like playing local league. And um, I never, tr- like I did get in the mix of when I was early on as like comparing myself and all of that. But I, I've always believed in myself and fast forward each year definitely have developed my style. Um, and I think it's a constant continuation of development. Like I said, like personal development's a huge thing for me, learning off photographers. Like I love photography. If I this business went down tomorrow, I'll still photograph every single day and whether it's just my family or on film or whatever it may be. Um so so that's like ingrained in me now. My whole life has revolved around it and I definitely do have things that are outside that. And I think the time has allowed me to narrow down the way I photograph now, which is, yeah, which is definitely, you know, majority is a journalistic approach. Um, I don't know what other photographers are doing and I, I personally honestly don't care. I don't send an email out to this one and see how they handle this which i know happens or send an inquiry and and try and work out what they're charging and and i've never done that um i just kind of like rock and roll who how i'd want to be (laughs) on a wedding day being a groom um and how i'd want to be photographed and i've been in some sticky situations where you know i'm working with videographers and they've kind of you know i don't know yeah. being fresh or something they might make a groom or groomsman put all their drinks down and kind of laugh at each other and then do it again and again and that's always made me feel uneasy um yeah and then Maybe. yeah and then honestly like i just started leaning into myself and just literally saying in my mind fuck everyone else around eight hey? like like i said i'd i'd rather attract the right couples and i know it is cliche and saying um but that allowed me to just like get rid of these lenses that I hated. And, you know, like for example, a 70 to 200, a lens that most photographers get when they start out 24, 70, 70 to 200, had them all, done them all. <laughs> and I remember putting up a post on a Facebook group and I, I put it up and I was pretty fresh, maybe a year or two. And I said, you know, who thinks? Cause I just couldn't get rid of it, but I hated that 70 to 200. And it's not about lenses, I know, but. Uh, developing my style all the photographers i was admiring were shooting on a 35 mil lens like whether it was street or whatever and i'm like so i put up a question i'm like who thinks that it's necessary for me to keep the 70 to 200 to document weddings and i remember there's 98 comments and 96 said you have to keep it it is the worst mistake you can make and um i screenshot it it's on my actual desktop at the moment and um yeah, and I ended up selling it the day after and I was like, perfect. Like everyone thinks I should, so I'm going to sell it. So I sold it and I actually had friends ring me and they're like, dude, like what are you going to do at a ceremony? Do you know how close you got to stand? Uh, blah, 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 blah. And uh, I photographed the first wedding solely one body, one 35 mil lens. And it, it it was like the time when you got to ask, you know, a girl for your first date. It was so awkward for me and I had to lean into it 
and I was sweating and after I had the biggest fucking smile on my face because <laughs> I felt like I was in the story and yeah, uh, yeah totally. and, and that's I guess I guess the whole thing going back to I think the time has allowed me to create the style that I have now and I'm sure in another 10 years I'll be saying the same thing and that's all yeah that also speaks volumes of what you care about you know you want to be close and I think um I also did I also only have a 35 and a 56 because that's what I love too I love being close mm-hmm. when I'm out I you can't feel it you can't actually see the moment you you almost you can't really see the light even really when you're not when you're so far away with like a 70 to 200 so that's crazy that 96 people yeah were just like Oh man. And I guess maybe it's the people I talk to because I talk to, you know, Sai Moore and I talk to Jai Long and I talk to um Ollie and most of you guys, you're you're all using 35s, using 56s, using 23s. Um and sorry for the people that aren't photographers that are listening to this. Um, these are all just ways of seeing, you know, different perspectives and they they help you get closer uh to the subject. And I and I think like you said, they they help you get um more into the story. And um, that's with anything, you need to learn what you love. You need to learn um, what actually makes you different. And I think that's that's really cool. I think the biggest thing like I've learned is just like, you know, who who are you inspired by and work out what they're, what they're doing? Like, what are they doing? You know, are they shooting on film and or are they shooting on a 35? Why do you like that photo? You know, not just, oh, that's a beautiful photograph. Why do you like it? And like, I mean, everything can be learned so easy. Just this podcast can teach people something so, so easily. And there's no right or wrong thing, but it's like there's a right thing for you. Um, yeah. And for me, like I said, like I see like a 35, um, it allows me to kind of get those people right up in the grill, you know, and but be able <laughs> to step back and, and allow people to share moments together where I'm kind of creating more of a landscape photograph with people in it. I guess moving from from wedding photography to kind of like your focus um, with your podcast, and maybe it's not just your podcast, but maybe this is just your um, theme for you, for what you do. But escaping the ordinary, I know that's the name of your podcast. Um, but where did that come out of? Like, what what does that mean? Um, if you could speak to that. Yeah, I guess, um, I mean, it's kind of self-explanatory, escaping the ordinary. I come up with it. I mean, I didn't come up with it, obviously, but it, it resonated with me and kind of got on my radar probably two years ago now when I was, I was really, I felt like I was creating um, a brand that was, you know, going back a couple of years, creating a brand that was kind of an everybody brand. I remember speaking to a good friend of mine, Aaron Shum from Sunny Coast and I had read a book then called uh, what's it called uh, The Purple Cow by Seth Godin, and that yeah, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but the analogy yeah, goes yeah. yeah, cool. So for your listeners, the analogy goes that if you drive past the herd of cows, you take no notice, but if one's painted purple, like you'll tell all your friends, or you know you won't forget that one purple cow that stood out. And um, I had photographers that were creating in my kind of field that were creating this. this dramatic work and and really leaning into themselves on their branding and i felt like i was getting left behind um because i kind of had this kind of cliche brand anyway um and so what i had started to come up with was what what do, 
what do I kind of want if I was a groom? And I always put myself in the groom's shoes. And I was, you know, thinking and thinking. And I'm like, man, like I always say it's your wedding, your way. Like I've always said your wedding, your way. And I, when I jump on Zoom calls with couples, my first thing is like, I, you know, if there's a white chapel involved, I'm like, why? Like, do you guys love white chapels? You know, like what, why, why do you have 180 guests? Like why? What do you love? Um, going back to your wedding away. And then I was like, man, ex- escaping the ordinary. Like I was ordinary. I feel like my work was ordinary before. And now with time, I've created this kind of look and this emotive feel in my work. So like hopefully you can't, you know, of course, couples compare other photographers. But if I can continue escaping the ordinary, maybe then I get inquiries where people are like, holy shit, like you're our photographer because I can't get anyone like you or Simon or Ollie Sanson, like you've already mentioned, these people are creating work where people are booking them. So they're escaping the ordinary. So they can't be compared to other photographers just solely on price. And that's, yeah, escaping the ordinary is something massive for me. And that's, I did the podcast, Escaping the Ordinary podcast, because everyone I interview on that hopefully are escaping the ordinary. That's, that does speak to exactly all of those people. And, um, I should I should read that book again. <laughs> Purple <Yeah>. cow. <laughs> it gets you thinking, right? Yeah. I think also something I see that you do that's that that stands out is um you actually donate um some of your uh your each wedding you you put $100 to like the Bali Children's Foundation. Um where did that start? Like how did that come into what you do? Yeah, so um so Bali's been a like a big part of my life uh since meeting my partner Michelle um around about ten, eleven years ago. Um I think I've been about thirty five, thirty something times. Um so wow. we always like holiday in Bali and have friends that live there full time and and spend months and months in Bali. And um I just really I was actually in Bali and I went to a cafe and the cafe donated I think it was, you know, 10%, 20% of every single coffee um, to this foundation, Bali Children's Foundation. And while I was over there, I was—I think I was photographing a wedding over there at the time where I was doing a commercial shoot for a surf brand, which is very, very um, niche for me <laughs> because that's not my normal forte. But um, Bali, yeah, like obviously we know Bali. We're not, you know, my, my family, we're not partiers. We don't go crazy and drink and have that type of... Um, time in Bali we kind of chill out and have a bit of surf and stuff like that so anyway um I remember going back to to the uh the villa and and I was like that's so beautiful my single coffee just helps someone and uh, you know one dollar in Bali can feed you know a person for a whole day pretty much and um I was like you know what how I I thought how selfish of me of not giving back um there's got to be something here I can do where I'm you know, I'm um, giving back to the community. Um, so yeah, I researched the brand and I wasn't like, oh yeah, I'm just going to copy what the cafe is doing. But it was more or less like other companies were doing buy one hat, we'll plant a seed and we'll, you know, plant this. And But I want it to be really personal. I wanted to know, you know, like being a realist, I wanted to know where my money was yeah. going, right? Like I didn't want to just give it to this orphan orphanage and you know not know where the money was going you know and I um I researched a bit more into you know where I wanted to kind of start donating and I had found out that Bali Children's Foundation I could 
directly um, donate money directly to the child's school, so directly to the child's education, right? So it wasn't going through all these different hands and it wasn't this mass production and I could not hand select, but I could be selected with a with family where I could support. It wasn't, you know, civet out $100, civet out over 100 people and it's like, well, you know, who am I actually helping here? Um yeah, and then and then yeah. Long story short, um, I set it up with Bali Children's Foundation to donate a hundred dollars of every single wedding booking um, to support a family. So did that and started doing that. And business has always been great for me, and bookings have always been solid. So built like you know, I my goal, um, uh, Puru. It was I think she's I don't know the grading system over there, but I think she was about six or seven um, when I sponsored her and her family out in the Tigawasa province, which is way, way away from any tourists. I don't, I went out there once and I don't think I've ever seen tattoos and the kids were literally running away, um, which is pretty funny. (laughs) And, you know, there was like a translator because I've never, ever spoken English. Um, You have to be invited into there. And this is all new for me. Remember this. So my goal was to, I spoke to the owners of Bali Children's Foundation, the nonprofit, and I said to them, my goal is to support this child's education from where she is now, say she's six or seven years old, right through to the completion of university. But I have some questions. What happens if she drops out of school? What happens if she doesn't want to do university? Because like, I don't want to, you know, have all my clients donate money and me also donate money and she doesn't want to do university, but we paid 10 grand or something. So that was all clarified up front and, you know, we could transfer it to another child that's in need. Um, And then, yeah. And then, so currently um, I've done one, one trip out there. I was supposed to go this year, but obviously that's not happening. And I've met the family and I've been to a school and, Man, it wow. it literally brings tears to my eyes. And um, at the moment, we've we're up to we're starting. We've already paid a quarter of a university fees, and I think she's about eight or nine now. That's amazing. <laughs> it's like having another. Yeah, it's like having. She is part of your family, really. Very like, much so. I get like personal letters from her, and it's you know what, like it's it's not just me, like. Yeah, I might. Yeah. I don't even come up with a concept. I just put the actions in place. But it's my clients, right? So every time a client books, you know, I, I email the client. They get an email saying that you've changed a life in Bali, and there's a whole gallery that they get sent and a video they get sent that I did when I was over there visiting the family, and they get like all of her grades sent to them, and they they get a receipt for the donation of a hundred dollars, and they also get like a transcript of how much we've actually donated and and how many grades we've ticked off. So it's literally not even me, but I know like, you know, I turned up to a wedding and it like, they're like, that, it's so beautiful that I got to help someone else, not just a small business. So, and that, fuck, that makes me like, yeah. oh, I, just I just don't. And sometimes times are half COVID, like I book weddings and that, that's great. And sometimes you're like, man, a hundred dollars of that booking could go towards tax or whatever. But uh, you know what? Totally. Like those things. That's right. Those things can come yeah. later. Like that's my priority, and I've I put down the goal to pay her education, and it's not you know Bali schooling. Um, you know, it's not a dollar a year. It's it's still in the thousands and thousands of dollars, um, especially wow. university. So it's not crazily cheap. It's definitely cheaper than Australia, but there's no government funding for them, so we're paying for everything. Um, 
and yeah, honestly, it just makes me super happy to give back. Eh? Yeah, it does. And I think you never, yeah, you never like lose from giving. I think if, if anything I've learned and it's something that's really important to me as well, I've uh, worked for like a couple of social enterprises and in, in doing so, like, man, you just, it fuels you like to give back to people and to do something that is, um, that holds legacy that goes beyond you. I think that's, that's why I love business really. Like that's why I'm actually, I do what I do because I get to, um, use the skills and the gifts that I have to help others. Um, whether that be wedding photos, they get to sit on like a table and people get to see that, you know, show their grandkids, et cetera, et cetera. Or, like you said, like helping a girl with her education at university, like it's, it's a power of business. And I'm glad that I think more people need to, need to really see that and, and take that opportunity to help people. Um, I think so you're cool. right. It's, it's, I think us as humans, like that's what we're like given to, to do, right? Like give back. And I think in business, if you want to turn it that way, it's like, I always think I love coffee, right? I just got my partner just dropped one off in the office right now, so I'm pretty stoked. But, you know, I think like if I had a cafe, right, and I've never run a cafe, so don't get me wrong, it'd probably flop. Who cares? But um, <laughs> I always think like, okay, so if I went to a cafe with my son and, you know, he was playing up or he's got cerebral palsy, so he can't walk or something and, and say the barista come out with a little biscuit or a little marshmallow or a little baby chino. Right. And I think that simple little thing there, whether it's photography or not photography, that little gesture of just like showing that they're here for you, that two seconds to put a marshmallow on a plate for a screaming child, that literally like that dominoes through through everything. And photography for me, the same man, hey, like, um, you know, whether it's like, honestly, listeners out there, if you guys are like just doing the normal, like, you know, providing a service and they pay that fee, literally like grab a hundred dollars out of that fee or put your price up a hundred dollars if you have to and just get a print done and put it in a frame and give it to the parents. I'm telling you, like, you're now stepping outside the ordinary and that, that like you photograph, say the, the sister's wedding next time, they will never forget you. You were the one that literally put $10 into something, but they don't care that they spent three grand. The $10, it's, a ten, it's the, the gesture that counts. You hand-delivered it and you took 10 minutes out of your day to appreciate people. And there's so many businesses that I support on a, on a weekly because they do that. Like I buy my film from Walken's um, Film Lab and they give me a sticker and my son loves the stickers. So... <laughs> I yeah, like I don't check the prices when I buy the film. I just know I'm getting a sticker. I'm pretty sorry, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I have I have the sticker on my um, yeah, on my bag. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um, man, well, hey, it's actually been incredible getting to chat to you. Um, I actually have to like, I guess, uh, close a, well, seal the deal in the chat. Um. I, I have like five flash questions. Um, yeah, let's rock and roll. Yeah, throw, throw you away. Um, can, yeah, just, I guess, answer them as quickly as you can. Um, the first question is, uh, what's a book that you've read uh, twice or that you come back to? A book I've read twice? twice? Or that you keep coming back to. I don't know. So, a lot of people don't read books twice, but. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely not read one twice. Um 
but I'm a massive reader right now. I actually, I'm going to be quick on this question. I read a quote the other day and it was rich, rich people have small libraries and big TVs. No, other way around. Poor people have big TVs and small libraries. Rich people have big libraries and small TVs. And that stuck with me. Um, but in terms of a book that I've read and I keep coming back to, hmm, I'm going to have to say um, How to Win fl- Friends and Influence People. Mm, good book. That is a good one. I'm reading that at the moment, actually. <laughs> There's so many books. I literally got... I call it my library, but it's just a little room in my house with books everywhere and I just showcase them. I literally have hundreds and hundreds of books and photography, art books, business books. So, I can't narrow it down to one, but that's that's a staple, definitely. Okay, sweet. Um, favorite moment of your work and why? Uh, delivering the images. Um, reason being is because I get to see my couple's face and all those hours that I put in on Zoom calls, meetings sharing vulnerabilities with my couples and sometimes tears because I'm now a crier from doing weddings more and more (laughs) and becoming more mature with my feelings. And when I get to deliver the photos, um, yeah, it fucking makes it all worth it, the hours that I put in. And do you do that via Zoom or like in person? Uh, Both, hey. So, um, yeah, I have a studio here, um, just a home studio so they can either come in. But most, uh, 90% um, is just done via like pick time and smart sides and stuff like that. But yeah, even like I jump on a phone call after I've, and like I just sit there, and, you know, it's not that I need to hear it, but I'm just like, yeah. fuck, that's why I do what I do. Like, um, you know, I wish I had that experience with my family and get these photos of mom and dad and not so much just two foreheads standing together on a mountain, which represents generally nothing. Um, hopefully there's a lot more depth to the story. What does the word becoming mean to you? Becoming the best version of yourself. Um, Yeah, that's what becoming means to me. Awesome. Uh, One piece of advice stuck with you that's stuck with you. One piece of advice that stuck with me is lean into fear. So, um, yeah, I mean, I can reiterate that. If it's not scaring you, you're not going forward. Um, If you're see photographers where they love and you're a little worried that they they might have an ego who cares a shit like honestly like people don't care um message them if you're scared to go and approach this thing that means you should be doing it same deal with my physical fitness it's like if it doesn't scare me and it doesn't challenge me i'm probably not going to do it hence why i probably didn't become anything in sports because i do so many different things like Remember when I was yeah. fighting, fighting for kickboxing? It's like I have one fight and I win, and I'm done. I'm ne- I've already been in Thailand and trained like for months and months, and then I come back and fight and win, and next I'm done. I've like hung up my thing. So because I that was my that was my challenge. It scared the shit out of me, and I did it. And I've got to find out what's next. Awesome. Um, what's one uh, What's one thing you can leave uh, all the listeners with? Yeah, I think um, if I can leave you with one thing, um, I mean, there's a couple of things. Uh, This one's not really mine, but stop comparing yourself to others. But one thing I think I just keep going back to is not many people talk about enough is it just takes time. And if you're not developing your knowledge, you're going backwards and it just takes time. Believe in yourself. 
lean into fear. And if you're living an unhealthy lifestyle, it's probably going back over to your weddings. Um, but like if you if you see photographers, just realize they've probably been doing it for a lot, lot longer than you. And you need to start learning and developing your skills so that when the time comes, you mature your skills enough to be able to create the work you want. So lean, lean into fear and remember it takes time. Awesome, man. Hey, thanks so much for, for making the time for us today. My absolute pleasure, man. How good was having Ryan on Up and Becoming? If you learned something, I hope you got some space to write it down, share it with a friend. And if the Up and Becoming podcast is, is helping you, speaking to you, jump onto our Instagram at Up and Becoming Podcast and let us know. I want to have a chat with you. I want to know what you're learning, where you're at, and what your big ambition is. But until next time, I'm Kurt Bingham, and this is Up and Becoming.